I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. Welcome to another episode of the Voice of Survival podcast. As the introduction said, I am your host, Nate, as always. And today, do I have a special guest for you guys. Our first international guest on the Journey into Comics Network that didn't become a part of the family. Welcome to our show, the lead singer of Iced Earth and great musician in himself, Stu Block. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, I'm glad to have you here. This has kind of been a... Um, a cool little unintentional thing because today happens to be my birthday, and, and happy to you. Thank you, and uh, and I happen to be chatting it up with uh, Stu Block from Eisters, so that's pretty crazy, man. Um, well, I'm glad I'm glad you think that's a birthday present, man. You could be doing far more exciting things on your birthday. <laughs> l- l- listen, stuff's pretty simple in my life. I'm not really materialistic that much. I got to see my dad today. I've got to see my family today. I get to talk to you. Like it's a win. Hey, man. I'm I'm then I'm glad to be part of it. Absolutely. Well, Stu, let's get right into your journey. While I met you in a parking lot in Indianapolis back in February and had had a hilarious interaction with a a little guy who was looking for a ride home. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that was hilarious. That was a really weird thing. Totally out of nowhere. Like we Uh, we decided, hey, we're going to say hey to each other and meet up for a minute. And then um, this little guy kind of showed up and said, hey, can someone call me an Uber? I'll give you a hundred dollars. That was insane. Yeah. So then my journey stopped becoming like chit 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 chatting with you. Brandon kind of got to chit chat with you, and I got pulled into this other side journey. Right, right. But then we kind of got to chit chat a little bit later when I saw you guys in Chicago uh, in March. Right. Which let me tell you, it was cool to see the start and the end of a tour for a band, like the first and last show, because the energies are two different things, and you can tell you've been sleep deprived and been on the road and busted your ass and it's not as fresh off that first show the energy's different but then at the end of the show you're so energy like you guys in chicago just killed it um, yeah yeah it's interesting how it goes you know at the beginning of any tour like you're just getting your you're just getting getting the groove right you're just getting the groove sometimes we're changing up songs on the list and seeing how how the crowd reacts and all that kind of stuff and uh and then uh mid mid 
it's funny. We always, we always chuckle because we go, well, by the end of the tour, we'll be a well-oiled machine, <laughs> you know? So it'll be, it's funny how it works, but, uh, no, it's all good. It was fun. I think it was a really energetic, um, tour throughout the whole, the whole thing. Cause the, the energy, the underlying energy of, of, of course, having sanctuary on there and, uh, the, the fans were great and, uh, the shows were, were doing well. So we, we had a great time. Absolutely. And I can definitely speak on the fans perspective and say that we all had a blast. Um, and of course you had some like cool, memorable moments, but we'll get to those throughout this show, um, within that tour. But, uh, you born in November of 77 in Vancouver. Is that correct? Uh, Ottawa, Ottawa. Oh, cool. So Canadian born and raised, uh, what was your first instrument? Where did you start? Did you start on an instrument? Has it always been the vocals? It's always been vocals for me, my friend. Yeah, it's always been vocals. Um, actually, I'd like to I'd like to take up uh, I'd like to learn a bit more guitar, but uh, you know, uh, but I've always yeah I've always nurtured the vocal aspect of of uh, of my musicianship, I guess, and just um, you know, it's I think it's worked out. <laughs> Absolutely. So per the notes that I have, uh, your according to your internet page, Omega Crom is your first band. Yeah, it was the first band uh, that I was in. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily my band. Uh, I was actually, I got into that band. I was jamming with a few people before. Um, one of my very, very first ones was actually Self Regime. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that was that was formed sort of uh, mutually. And then um, and then I found uh, Omega Crom and then we we were, we were writing stuff together and we played a lot of shows together, but yeah, that, those were my first two. Yeah. And that was like your early, uh, taste of music and the, and the playing in front of people and whatnot. Definitely. Uh, when did those bands kind of take shape for you? Late nineties, early aughts? Um, well, let me just think, uh, uh, 2000. Yeah. Like pretty much like 99, 2000. Excellent. Uh, yeah. 99. Well, I uh, you know what? I'd actually have to say two th- 1998 was when it all really when I made the decision that I wanted 98 99 is when I made the decision that I wanted to pursue this really seriously. And then uh so yeah, now now here we are almost 20 years later. Yeah, man. And uh it's definitely been an incredible journey. Of course, along the way after the Omega Crom, you went into a new venture which was into Eternity. Yes. What yeah, is that, that experience like for you? That was killer because, um, <clears throat> of course, in Omega Crom, like I was, all, I was doing the hybrid thing where I was doing the falsettos mixed with the, with the death vocals and uh, the, and then the traditional classic power metal vocals, and then um, we toured with them, and then we played in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, where I, where I live now, and uh, we uh, basically. Um, Played at a place where the the Tim Roth, uh, <clears throat> the leader of Into Eternity, was there. He, he I guess he heard about us coming in. He knew that and he liked high singers, and he knew that I was doing the falsetto stuff. And uh, and we did that. We did that show. We did, a, and we also did a cover of Painkiller and uh, Welcome Home by by King King Diamond. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it was funny. I never really got to meet him after the show. He just kind of took off. But I was like, okay, well that sucks. And then he contacted me later. Um, and he said he was really, really impressed and that he wanted to try me out. And, uh, I guess the rest is history. I came out there and tried out and got the gig. Got the yeah, gig. It, it was a really cool transition because it was like, I've been from the lowest level all the way till now. Right. So I've done every level 
um, with a, a couple of different bands. I've done every, every different level of touring that you could possibly imagine, right? Fuck. Everything from the lowest fucking end, you know, not playing to like four people, you know, on no stage and basically no PA, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to, to playing freaking arenas with, you know, it's, it, it's really been a cool, cool thing to see those transitions actually come to think of it. I mean, from like from you, like you were saying, from local bars where you're playing for a couple people, they say like, "What's yeah. a monitor? We don't know what monitors are. We just yeah, like fuck off, just yell if you have to, whatever." You're like, right? No, I'm a singer. I need to hear what's going on, man. Yeah. Um, and then from that all the way to like ancient Corian, where you guys played Cyprus. Um, that I mean, I, those are two very far apart spectrums that are incredible, right? Sure, for sure. And I think dues were paid to get there, you know, and uh, and you know we had there's a lot of shit you have to go through in order to get to that point or to be at those achieving mo or those moments of achievement that you feel are moments of achievement. Um, I feel I'm, I'm success is relative, right. To the person. Right. But I think I am probably one of the most successful people I know, you know, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's really like, I'm very proud of what I've done and I'm, I could, God, forbid, but I could die tomorrow and I'd be very happy. You know, I'd still be, I wouldn't regret anything or I'd, I'm not going to be on my deathbed regretting anything because I took chances and I did stuff that, and I'm very proud of what I, what I've done. And, and, and I, just because I'm not a millionaire, uh, success, like I say, success is relative. Um, I know people that are very successful in music and that have big houses and that are, and that's their level of success and that's success for them. But for me, my levels of success is just doing what I've done. I'm happy. That's great. And if I make a million doing it, which I don't think I'll ever do, um, but that's not my goal. Money is not a goal, but if it ever happened, that's just the gravy, man. That's perfect. That's great. You know what I mean? I can, I can save more cats. <laughs> you, you know, that's awesome that you brought up cats because obviously you're a humongous cat lover. Anybody yeah. who follows you on Instagram can easily go through and see a ton yeah. of different cool cat pictures and things you've memed with cats and whatnot. Uh, sure. Does that mean we should just start calling you Lucifer or Stucifer? Right. Yeah, Lucifer, right? No, but they do call me the – because I – it's funny because I'm kind of like a cat. When I'm on tour, I sleep like 13, 14 hours a day. I don't – I don't party a lot. I mean, I pick my battles, of course, and they whenever I, you know, whenever I say I'm going to party, they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I pretty much go off, but it's very rare that I do. So um, they put me in the hockey helmet and tell me and give me a bottle of whiskey and say, don't hurt myself. But, you know, uh, but it's uh, I, I they call me the cat because I sleep a lot, man. And, and I'm like always kind of, you know, sleep. And so like, Oh my God, it's the cat. Go wake up the cat. You know? So I, maybe I am spawned from a feline, some sort of feline from a past life. Who knows? Well, and on this past tour, you did a lot of climbing. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, a lot of energy, lot of energy on that show. For Brent, sure. Brent's drum, uh, riser had you all over it. Um, yeah, I saw many pictures where you were on top of that thing, and then of course uh, in Chicago you were able to do that. Not the same in Indy because that place was so low ceilinged. I do right, recall. Right. But uh, anyways, going back to Into Eternity, you guys released two albums together in your time with the band: uh, mm -hmm. Scattering of Ashes in 2006 and The Incurable Tragedy in 2008. Now, in the yes. middle of that, in 2007, you got to tour with one of your, I do believe, favorite bands in Dream Theater, right? Yes. Yeah, we got to do that. That was great. Yeah, that was pretty spectacular freaking moment, man. Like, uh, 
we were all we were all super stoked on that one for sure it has to be uh, an unreal experience for you oh it, it, it absolutely was absolutely was yeah it was it was um you know, I, I love James Lavrie. He gets he gets a lot of hate, but uh, so do I. You know, and whatever. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of of him, and uh, and I'm a big fan of Mike Courtney. And we made we made friends, you know, and it was really cool. Uh, they were all very down to earth, and uh, we had a great time on that tour. Man, all we got was like I think we were playing twenty to twenty five minutes a night or whatever. I think we got a thirty minutes one night, but we were giving it our all and we were just happy to be there, man. We were we were simply just happy to be there and playing with some of our idols. So uh definite um and that was our first arena tour, I believe, or like big theater kind of tour. Yeah, hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. And then we and then yeah, it was did some really cool stuff with Into Eternity, man. Like <clears throat> paved the way for my career now and um, you know, uh, taught me a lot, you know, did my first music videos with them. And so it was a frick and made some of my best friends still till, till to this day are, you know, uh, Tim Roth and Troy and Justin and, you know, so it's, it's, it's great. You make long time life mates through music. And, and that's, I think ultimately, regardless of what your musical career does as any person in, in music, if you can create a genuine bond with people when you're making music, man, there's nothing greater. That's like genuinely my belief. No, that's that's going to last a lifetime. And so will the music that you created together because those albums will always be around. I still get, I'm I, I when I'm doing VIP meet and greets and stuff like that. I still get people coming up with that with Into Eternity albums. You know, getting me wanting me to sign them and going. I just got into to this. I've just bought all the albums. There's still kids buying them. You know what I mean? It's really cool. So that music will last forever, and so will the friendships um, that we well until we're dead. But you know the but uh, you know basically those friendships are valuable. You know, life lifelong um, uh, treasures for sure. Hell yeah. So Incurable Tragedy comes out in 2008. Shortly thereafter, you guys find yourself yet again on the road playing with one of your favorite bands, Symphony X. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then again, yeah. Michael Romeo um, and then uh, Russell Allen, who uh, he's, a, he's a he's a good buddy. And so, yeah, that was that was killer, man. Of course, your, your history with Russell Allen comes full circle later in uh, in uh, Plagues of Babylon. And we'll get into that here in a short minute. But touring with Symphony X is, I, I want to just really quickly bring this up to you because your time touring with Into Eternity and you guys doing the show with Symphony X is the first time I ever hear the name Stu Block in my life. Okay. And Brando comes up to me and he sees you guys open for Symphony X in Chicago. I think it was the Pearl Room in Mokina, but don't quote me on that. And he hey. goes, man. We were at the show, and I went to see Symphony X, and I'm stoked to see Symphony X, right? And I was like, yeah, man, I like Symphony X quite a bit. I think this was like right after Paradise Lost had just come out. And right. he goes, dude, the opening act blew me away. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you don't get it. And he played a couple tracks from from one of the two albums that you had done with Into Eternity, and it blew my mind because your range is insane. So I'm just I'm very curious. Where do you build your ability to build that range vocally? Well, uh, it's always kind of been there. Um, I don't know. I've had a natural ability to do those kinds of things, but because I started out in Omega Crom, I was doing like this sort of like the I started building it back then in in like 1998, and. Uh, 
and I, I just kind of knew that I could hit the high stuff and I love doing the death vocals. Trust me, I went through a lot of vocal heartache, uh, figuring out how to do it, taking it on the road, learning how to transition everything. It was a lot of work, man. It was a lot of work. And, uh, but once I learned and unlocked how it felt and how to do it so it didn't hurt my voice, I opened up a lot of doors for me and opening up my diaphragm um, meant it was a big deal as well. So there was a lot of things that I learned about my voice by doing those types of things that unlocked a lot of, uh, things later on for me. And even when I joined, and I hate to skip ahead, but even when I joined Iced Earth, I learned, um, that I was learning stuff with my voice that I didn't even know I could do it. And so I'm learning all the time and every tour I learn stuff. And, uh, um, and I think that's the important thing. If I stop, learning and I stop challenging myself, then it's over, right? Like I'm never going to progress as a vocalist. Dead in so, the water, man. Uh, yeah, I totally. And I think um, that ta it takes a very um, forward thinking musician to be aware of themselves enough to go like, look at what I've done so far in my musical journey and look what I can still do. Look what I need to learn. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, um, I've met a lot of musicians that I think come out, come across as like, Oh, I, I know it all. And, and Hey, maybe they do, maybe they do, you know, and, and all the power to them. But I'm, I don't think that there's a human that exists in any subject matter that knows everything about that subject. You know what I mean? It's just there's not all, possible. It's, it's impossible. Absolutely. Empirically impossible. I can even tell you that so for sure. On the other side of into eternity, uh, the tide shifts and while you're doing a tour with symphony X on right after incurable tragedy comes out, iced earth is reuniting with Barlow. Right. And they are gearing up to release the closing part of the chapter of the set abominate story, which was the crucible of man. Right. So I actually was there for Barlow's first show back and it was actually incredible. First time I saw iced earth, different feeling of music, man, honestly, like, genuinely mean that totally i mean i love barlow man you everyone knows that so absolutely so um and we're going to get into some stuff later but yeah. i, I want to know just like out of the gate 2011 comes around we're fast forwarding a little bit here and you get this phone call from century media i'm guessing or john i'm not sure if he had somebody get in touch with you or he personally reached out i'm not sure how that works um, and said, Hey, we want you to try out for iced earth. What was the first thought in your head? Like, did you think it was a joke? Was this like, no, come on, this isn't really happening. Well, to answer, to answer your first question. Yeah. They had someone reach out to me. Um, they had a, a, a actually, uh, it was cool how they did it because, because I was in into eternity, I was on century media before and I knew a lot of the label reps and I knew a lot of the PR guys and the A&R guys and all that kind of stuff. And so they got a guy that knew me. Um, his name was uh, Steve Joe, and uh, he phoned me one day, and yeah, he reached out and uh, <clears throat> basically uh, <clears throat> didn't tell me right away what the band was, in fact, uh, because he knew that I, uh, Into Eternity at that point, was sort of stagnant. We weren't really doing much. Um, I was working a day job, um, you know, just thinking about life and thinking about where I want to go forward with music or, you know, thinking about what to do, and I got this call, and um so he, he, like I said, at first he didn't say who it was. He goes, well, what are you doing? And he started fishing, you know, and well, he said, he said, well, there's a, there's a fairly 
decent sized band that's looking for a vocalist. And then of course I really started getting intrigued and I said, listen, just tell me who it is. And he told me it was iced earth and I was blown away. I was just like, wow, wow. And so basically long story short, he got me in contact with John, John and I talked, uh, for quite a while on the phone, got a feel for each other. And then he said, well, there's a, there's a, you know, if you want to take it out here to come and try out, uh, it's all yours. And I, 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 I think I said, Yes, but I got to talk to my wife, talk to my, you know, my, my lady and, uh, and then, but my lady is so cool. She was like, why do you even talking to me about this? You should have just done it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why so, aren't but you I, already on the plane? Already on the plane, you know? Uh, but anyway, so, uh, long story short, uh, again, I, I, I'm on that plane and I get there, we hit it off immensely, um, in his studio and, uh, we wrote a, a song together. Um, I sang a few older songs, um, and the next day I woke up and we were, we were, we went downstairs and he said, if you want the gig, you got the gig. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I did. I was sleeping upstairs and I could overhear his conversation with his manager going, I think we found our guy. I was really, really excited. <laughs> was there any but, part of you like going, I hope they weren't talking about someone else. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> you know, I think I remember going, I, I think, I hope they're talking about me. But then I went downstairs for eight bacon and eggs and, uh, sure enough, I, I, I was who they were talking about. So I was very proud and, uh, phoned, phoned my lady and said, well, this is what's happening. And I said, I'm going to take it and we're going to, we're going to do this. And here I am. So, um, but yeah, it was amazing. It was a really cool experience and, uh, the electricity, um, and, and John and I, again, we'll probably, will touch on this later, but, um, the cool thing about this whole thing is that I made one of the be- one of my very best friends ever, and John and I have connected so so closely um, uh, through c- the creating music together, through touring together, through being the up doing the ups and the downs. We've experienced death together. Um, there's we've been through a lot together in, in and we even went through it in in a very short period of time. Those first three years, there was a lot that happened, um, and uh, we're now embarking on um, me being in the band. Shit, it's been uh, seven seven plus years now. Yeah. So seven seven and some change, right? So uh, almost eight, I think. Yeah. So um, really, really goes by quick, man, goes by quick, but I made, I made some very good friends and I've, and, um, it's been an amazing experience so far for sure. Just to briefly touch on your seven, almost eight years with iced earth. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but you were officially the second longest tenured singer of the band. Now only trailing Barlow who had nine years with iced earth. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to exceed that. I really am. I'm, I feel like that, let me say this, and maybe this is a little too personal of a story to share. This is just something that happened on stage in Chicago that really affected me. I was there with my brother, Brandon. Like we've, we've again, kind of like you and John had a lot of up and downs together, experienced a lot together, lived and learned and grew up together. And you introduced before you introduced brothers, you kind of shouted out John and just how grateful you were for him giving you the opportunity and how it affected your life. And (laughs) It showed me that even in a position where you are now, where you have been kind of through the work and determination you put in, been awarded this opportunity, that even seven years later, you'll, you're still as humble as the first day you joined this band, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think um, <clears throat> staying humble is the key to success. I really honestly believe that. Um, there's a lot of very arrogant, successful people out there, but they... they I guess um, 
I don't know. Again, we talk about success is relative, right? But um, I'm I'm not out there to. I made a long. I made a I made a promise to myself a long time ago, because um, I met some. Ro- I've met rock stars. I've met people that coming up, even in Into Eternity, Omega Crumb. I've met people that I looked up to that I was like, oh my god, you're horrible, you know. And I really love your music, and it but it ruins it for me. So I made a promise to myself that if I'm ever at that level and I'm interacting with fans. I need to take the time out to talk to them. I need to make sure that they understand that I care about them because without them, we're nothing. And um, we're all humans. We all have feelings and we're all going through shit. And I think what my job is because and, and the other responsibility that I've chosen doing what I do is the fact that I'm an entertainer. At the end of the day, I am an entertainer, and I'm very blessed to be able to entertain by writing, helping write music that helps me thera- therapeutically as well by getting a message out there that I want to get off my chest or uh, talk about something and people can connect to it. But I also have a responsibility to know that uh, there that our fans, if without them, we'd be nothing, and and uh, it's it's I have to be humble for them as well because if it, it's not going to help me or it's not going to help them in any way by spreading any negativity or trying to be someone I'm not um, because people eventually they do see through that and, and the fans are smarter than that. But uh, and if then a lot of these people and I've found a lot of people that connect to our music, there's a lot of people that have depression issues and there's a lot of people going through stuff. So it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm cautious as to how I interact with them because I don't want to hurt them in any way either. Right now, if you're an asshole to me, then of course you're going to get the respect is earned, not given of course. And that's a big thing to me, but most people are very respectful and um, all they want to do is get an autograph. But if it's 25 people in a row and I've got to go through all 25, then I've got to do it. Um, I try to do special things for certain fans because, you know, maybe they can't come out or, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's my, I've, I've chosen, I've chosen to be an entertainer. So it's my responsibility to be, to be the person that I, the, the best person I can be that people can connect to because they're already connecting to the music. Why ruin that by being a dick? <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not, it's not really, not really a good thing, and I and I've experienced that. So I just made a promise to myself a long time ago to stay, to stay humble and to uh, to because this can all, is all going to end. It's all going to end, you know. Everything um, ends, gonna, bro. It's all going to end. So, um, and one day I'm going to look back, and all I'm going to have is pictures, and all I'm going to have is the friends and the people that and the relationships that I made along the way, and I think those are going to be the most valuable things. So, um, uh. I don't want at the end of the day looking at it going, no one wants to hang out at, at, because I'm not doing this anymore. No one wants to be hang out with me or even talk to me because I was a dick to them. And, and that's what, where did that get me? It gets you nowhere. Right. And so, so anyway, that's all I got to say about that. But basically yeah, just stay humble and because, um, talent, talent is definitely is, is like a, it's, it comes from a natural place. It's not, I'm not going to say it's God given because I'm not a, you know, I'm not a religious person, but um, it's definitely naturally ingrained in a person, and uh, and we're given that opportunity by humans to be able to live our dreams in this sort of illusionary manner, uh, which is an illusion. I sell an illusion every day. If that's really what it is, you know, um, TV, movies, music, and but if we're going to be part of an illusion, at least within that illusion, I can be selling something real or be 
telling a real story. You know, if, if they want me to be this person that I'm not, um, I'll never be that, you know what I mean? But at least I'm going to show the truth of, 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 of what I'm doing and not be contrived about it. You know, because well people, people see through that. People Ab- will totally see through that. Absolutely. So slamming into this, you get offered the gig and then it's pretty much, let's get into writing a new album immediately. Um, how was dystopia for you getting your bearings right out of the gate with this new band and experiencing John as a co-songwriter who has his hands in a lot of the elements of Iced Earth. Some would say almost every element of that band. Yeah. Um, how was that experience for you just watching him almost the master at work while you're still getting your bearings, as it were? Oh, it was, it was very inspiring. I mean, it's it's uh, to see him, the work ethic that he has is, is, uh, is a very, very high level. Of, of work ethic he's a very especially in the writing process and in the recording process it's it's 14 to 18 hour days literally every day for him that's he doesn't sleep much <clears throat> he's always doing something so um he uh he'll he'll get burnt out a little bit and you know maybe have to sleep in till 8 a.m <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh He's uh, he's a well-driven machine, and it's really interesting watching it all happen because um, without without that, um, I really without that kind of leadership or that kind of imagination and that kind of drive, I just don't think that they'd be where they are. Um, I don't think that he would be where he is and created the brand that he's created because he's it's really a brand that he's created. Iced Earth is a brand, and um, from every aspect to but. He's built such a high quality brand that nothing that he really he doesn't put out anything that isn't to either his standards or that he you know or a higher quality. You know what I mean? It's always has to be quality first for him. So uh, it's very inspiring, and and if it takes time for him to create that quality, that's fine. Um, if he's given a time constraint, he will create the highest quality product he can within the time that he's time and money that he's given. He's not going to cut corners, but he he will take it to the he, he's he's a take it to the maximum kind of guy. Like he always makes sure he maximizes what he's been given, and um, and I think it drives true with his personal life, and it drives true again with. Um, uh, the way the way he carries himself and and uh, it's it's a very cool thing. It's a very cool thing. So um, he's definitely a, a leader at heart, and he's he loves the band. He loves and and like I said, he loves the band, and he loves and I'm sure he loves how much work he's put in. I'm sure he even he looks back and he goes, "Holy shit, I've done a lot of work." You know, that's a lot of albums, and that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of work. So, um, I mean, it's something to look back and be proud of, and <clears throat> I think it's really cool. I'm going to throw another stat at you amidst our conversation here because you're talking about work ethic, and I feel like whether you're aware of this or not, your work ethic is also just unsurmountable to anybody else because you have the most shows within Iced Earth as a lead singer more than all the other singers combined. Yeah, I've done – I. I yeah, we were looking at it, and I've done more tour, more touring than than every singer. I mean, yeah. that's got to just take a tax and a toll on your body and on your throat and on a little bit has to be on your mental too. So, I, I mean, um, kudos yeah, to you. Toll on everything, man. It's uh, 
but we're warriors. This is what we were meant to do. And, uh, I think, uh, I knew what I was getting into when I joined the band. Um, when we, when, when John and I first talked, he said, I, you know, I want to be out there more. I want to be touring more because that's where we got to be. And, um, we sure did. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys embarked on a crazy tour that um, went like three years almost or two years, three years. Yeah, almost three years. Yeah. So and then and, and then a little tiny break and then plagues, which we didn't do tons of touring on. Um, and then we had to take a, a brief little break. And then now we're back at it again. Um, but we've done even even with the small breaks that we did take. Um, I think there's still a shit ton of shows, man. Yeah, I've done a lot. I've done more than than a lot of the. Yeah, I've done. A, I think the most than any singer in Iced Earth for sure. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. And of course, it does. Like you're saying, it does it take a toll? Of course, it takes a toll. I've I've never really experienced major vocal problems where to the point where I could not sing. It only happened to me actually once in all my years of of being in of actually singing since Omega Crom and stuff and it actually happened in iced earth and it happened in freaking Scotland or something like that. I woke up and I couldn't hit a, a, it was air coming through. I couldn't do anything and it was the freakiest thing. And then the next day it came back and I've never experienced the problem again. So something happened there. I'm not too sure what it was the perfect storm. And, uh, but the fans were great about it. You know what I mean? I, we basically told them what was going on and they were still absolutely killer because if there's one thing about Iced Earth fans is that they are the most lo- some of the most loyal um, heavy metal fans out there. And, and they, they, they see past all the bullshit. They see, see past, a lo- past a lot of the bullshit, so, which is really cool. So they were there for us. And, uh, but, yeah, it does take a toll on uh, relationships too. I mean, not, not that it's ever really taken a toll on my wife and I's relationship, but to the point where, yes, we do miss each other. And, yes, we want to be home more with each other. But this is what I do for a living. And, and it, uh, but she's very understanding and she's – comes from she's a musician as well so she came from she knew touring and stuff like that so she's uh she's very well aware and we have such a great relationship that it really never hurt anything but missing your family of course it's a big thing you, you want to be home you know you miss birthdays you you miss uh anniversaries you miss um all these important things and um but uh, at the end of the day uh I chose to be an entertainer and I chose to make sure that people that did have a bad day at work or a bad week or something like that had something look, to look forward to by coming to one of our shows and watching us have a great time. And then they can forget about their problems, right? So then that's kind of what I signed up for. I think that to go back to the thing that happened to you in Scotland, one thing that is also to be said about Ice Earth fans, while loyalty is a huge thing, they all really love to sing as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's all right, you know. So I'm so. sure you were probably just like, well, I guess you guys are going to have to help me tonight, that's you know. What, like, that's what we did. You know, I said that's probably something exactly that I said. I said, you know what, you guys are just going to have to help me tonight and let's have a great time. Let's party. So you know? getting back to Dystopia real quick before we're going to move into Plagues and then into the rest of this here. So when Dystopia comes out, you're now not a fan of, well, I mean, you're still a fan of Iced Earth, but now you're a member of Iced Earth. What is the re- how do you take the reception from the fans of Dystopia and the what I thought was a lot of positive reviews on that first album for you in this band? Yes, and I agree. I would I would agree with you. Um, I was really happy about that. We did uh, <clears throat> we first released the re-recording of Dante's Inferno um, before the album, so that was we wanted to just get a fit you know gauge the waters. 
And there's always going to be haters out there. There's always going to be people that that don't like it. But there was a very large amount of people that really liked it. So we were very, very happy about that. Um, and uh, so uh, when the album released, people took it in. And I think it was a really good high percentage of positive people. And so, of course, it's a sigh of relief. It's, you know, OK, we don't have to deal with that, you know. Um, now we just got to make sure that we're out there giving it our all each night and, and putting on the best show possible. And I was still learning how to interact with the iced earth fans. Cause I came from a different school, more death metal kind of stuff. And, uh, um, you know, and, but, but there was the power metal in there, but, uh, you know, so I was still learning how to refront again. I think I was a re there was a learning process for me again. And John and I would work every, every night we'd be working, he'd be working on me after the show. He'd be like, okay, you got to do this. You can't do this, blah, 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 blah. This is what they like. This is, you know, listen to live in Athens, look at what the fans are doing. Cause that's basically what the whole fans are, are basically copying They're they're Cause alive in Athens was the first kind of template for where to chant and all that kind of stuff. Cause the Greek people kind of set that template, you know? Um, so it was, and then, um, so it was really, a learning curve for me and so it was cool but once once i got into my groove i think i i think i found it for sure hell yeah and like i was saying you guys go on this long long journey of touring for almost three years or just around three years right before plagues of babylon gets recorded within that time you guys do the show in ancient corion which is essentially the modern era alive in athens show man Yes, sir. Yeah, um, <clears throat> something would, yeah, they'd never done before. That experience, again, I feel like just overwhelming for you. And obviously, a lot of that's retold on the making of Ancient Curion. But overall, for you, standing on that stage, looking out into that sea of people, was there any moment that was almost too too much for you? Because, I mean, as a musician, I've also experienced that like overwhelmingness of like, wow, there, this is, I was not expecting this. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, man, of course. Like, you know, I'm not saying like I was like, whoa, like I lost complete control because of I was overwhelmed or anything like that. But yes, it was definitely like very cool to watch all those the, the people so into it. And and it was hot. So, yeah, that was a little overwhelming, too, because it was hot, hot, hot up up there. So we were all sweating our asses off um, on no sleep. Um And uh, we were rocking out for these guys. And it was it was actually really, really killer. It was fun. The energy is definitely visible when you watch Huge Ancient Corian. Huge energy. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so moving into 2014, you guys start to embark on writing and recording Plagues of Babylon. Interesting to note, within Plagues of Babylon, you get the opportunity to work with three different people that are noted as some of your influences on yeah. this album. So... Uh, dystopia is the first time you're the lead singer of iced earth now this is the sophomore album and you have an opportunity to work with some of these people that are essentially heroes to you yeah what is that experience like when you know john's like hey man i have this crazy idea and i think that we're gonna bring hansi in for a song yeah and- I, I was blown away right and and hansi's always been very awesome to me when for even the first time i met him um, he's just a really humble, again, another humble down to earth, awesome guy. Um, again, the guy that, that every front man should, should, he's like the Freddie Mercury of, of metal man, but just not gay. You know what I mean? Like, I want, I want that, that to be on a t-shirt. Right. But he's just so like emotional and so talented and, and, uh, he's, uh, a really humble guy. Very nice. He's always been super nice to me. Um, and, um, uh, so yeah, it was obviously a freaking treat to 
to be able to be on the same. Uh, I actually got to we got to sing together on stage, um, which was great. And then uh, we yeah we did the song together, which was great. And then of course you guys also uh, Hansi appearing on Among the Living Dead, but you guys also did a cut of Highwaymen. Russell mm-hmm. Allen appears on that as well as Michael Polson from Volbeat. Again, yep. it's just an amazing experience. Did you have? Were you all together when that was happening, or did they send their tracks in? How does that work? They sent their tracks in. Yeah, Russell and uh, Mike sent their tracks in, and John and I cut our tracks uh, in the studio there. Were you just grinning like children, like, "Oh, this is going to be so great! I can't wait for everyone." Oh to hear yeah, this. no, we were really excited to see how it was going to turn out and stuff. And when we get, when we got Mike's tracks and uh, Russell's tracks, we were. You know, we, we totally got, yeah, we were like little kids. We were like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. So, yeah, it was good. So I'm going to jump, before we get into Incorruptible, which is the most recent thing you've got going on, I want to ask you a out-of-order question within the history of Iced Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Iced Earth has done several, you know, themed or concept albums, uh, one of which was Horror Show, obviously, critically acclaimed album that paid tribute to horror stories and icons like Dracula, Frankenstein, Imhotep, Damien, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also your first album, I believe, that you got from Iced Earth. Me? Yes. Um, or was it? Yeah, yeah. Horror Show was my yeah Horror Show was my first album. Tribute to the Gods was my second, and then Burnt Offerings was my third, and then I I forget. Oh yeah, uh, Glorious Burden was my fourth. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I um, was all over the place, man. But I, there was so much to pick from when I when I got into them. I feel like you must have got into that band. Like I feel like you got into Iced Earth literally right around the time I did because my first two albums, Horror Story, Tribute to the Gods, then I got yeah. The Blessed and the Damned, and then got Glorious Burden in that order. Yeah. yeah. Um. So curious from that question that I just asked about Horror Show, if you had the chance now that you're a member of this band and an integral part to go back in time and they're going to bring horror show back to the front and you get to take an icon or a horror story that Iced Earth has never touched and do a song about it. What would you do? That Iced Earth has never done? Correct. Because I know um, Purgatory, there was some Jason stuff and Freddy stuff, so I wouldn't want to totally go cliche on it. Um, but I would uh, – I would probably do – I would probably – Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, and I, an iconic one, right? So I would probably, anyone, man. What's what's something that you know you I'd could go, write from I'd the heart go, about? I'd go with pin. I'd go with Pinhead. Hell yeah, Pinhead. Hellraiser. About Pinhead. I mean, I love. I got. I got Freddie on the back of my leg. I got Jason on my knee. You know, I mean, I love Freddie and Jason, but I think that those might. You know, those would be more typical. I think. Pinhead would be like a little less atypical. Um, and then Candyman would be a cool one. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Candyman would be a really cool one. Uh, I think doing a, I think doing a, having a sort of more playful, but dark Chucky one would be kind of cool. Oh, that would, that actually is a great idea. Yeah. But playful, but yet fucking twisted and dark. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, yeah, there's some ideas there. You I, never know. I you never know what we'd do in the future. Absolutely, man. And the, and the future definitely looks bright for what you guys have going on. Um, throwing out a random question here. What was it like doing the Baltimore show and then at the end of the show, watching over me, Matt joined you on stage, Matt Barlow, original one of the original singers for Iced Earth? Sorry, going back to horror show, also uh, Swamp Thing. 
Oh yes, also Swamp Thing. I that love was, that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, what was it like uh, with Matt? Oh my God, that was freaking amazing. Um, I I was literally like I had, I was, yeah, man. Like I don't want to sound like a you know, but I I was almost in tears, man, because it was like a dream come true, man. And and I had him in my in ear monitor. I told the monitor guy to crank to put his vocal in my ears because I wanted to hear everything. And it was freaking amazing, man. It was it was an honor, and it was amazing. Um, and again, another humble, awesome dude. Um, again, all singers should should uh, take a template from Hanzi and him as well, because uh, for being humble, because they're just super humble, down to earth guys. And yeah, but Matt's Matt's super great, and uh, uh, I think he had a great time too. I think he had a really fun time, and I think it was really amazing to see uh, John and, and him together, and John was just so happy seeing him on stage with him, and I think uh, um, it was all in all just a really, really, really cool thing for everybody. Was I that think. the first time you had met Matt? Uh, no, I toured with Matt. I toured with Ice Earth in, in, into eternity. Really? Um, Actually, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so that, there's a tidbit for you. Uh, Into Eternity toured with Iced Earth in 2007, I believe. Don't quote me. 2007, 2008, 2007 maybe. Um, and uh, so um, actually I met him a couple times, but he was a very busy guy and I didn't really talk to him too much. But he was, again, really cool when we talked to him. Um, and, uh, John actually did hear me warming up backstage once and he peeked his head and he goes, man, you got some killer pipes. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, funny little, you know, I'm going to be your singer. <laughs> That'd be so weird. But, uh, yeah. So that was cool. That's definitely probably a little memory that you have that you'll never forget. Like, oh my God, John Schaefer <laughs> told me I had great pipes and now you tell him and he probably doesn't necessarily remember that moment, but it's like, wow, that's I crazy. I, we've talked about it before, and I think he, he did say he remembered. So, oh, that's, that's great. Hell yeah. Uh, so we move into the future now, and it's coming up on 2016 early, leading into 2017. You guys start writing and working on Incorruptible, <laughs> and now you're a well-oiled machine, man. And yeah. I feel like all the pieces are in place for you guys fully. Everything has worked itself out, you know, what is the experience yeah. like when you go in to do Incorruptible? Is it just like the easiest experience you guys have had so far? Were there secretly bumps along the road that we typically wouldn't hear about? Because, you know, a lot of people don't ask these kind of questions. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, kind of rewinding a little bit. <clears throat> sure, please do. Talking about, talking about if we're, okay, this, there's a lot of factors as to why everything was so relaxed on this one for sure. And of course, one of those factors is yes, we've been together a long time. Yes, that's a big factor for sure. But studio is another factor. Um, timing, where we did things, all factors for sure. Like Plagues of Babylon was <clears throat> demoed in Uruguay. Um, things were a little chaotic at the time. Um, and then we had to record it in Germany. <clears throat> things changed. Uh, when we were told certain technical aspects of that studio that they had when we showed up, they didn't have them. So we had to deal with a lot of situations there. It was hot. Um, there was a lot of a lot of things happening there. Dystopia was done in 
<coughs> was demoed in John's studio in Indiana. It was very relaxed. Um, we were just getting there was a we were just getting to know each other, and um, there was a lot of the music was written. Um, just needed to write lyrics and stuff like that. So <coughs> there was um, a lot of stuff that was already done. So um, there's factors involved as to why things sound the way they are and all that kind of stuff. Um, now we have our own studio again. Um, we're in Indiana and uh, we've got the head headquarters and studio. It's um, Ice Earth HQ. It's uh, Independence Hall. And uh, so with this one, it was the perfect storm, I believe, because it was the fact that we'd been together for a long time. We'd already written two albums together. Um, <clears throat> we, um, you know, Luke is a, is a great bass player and Luke has a great attitude and he brought to the table some great ideas as well. Um, John had his own studio, uh, uh, in, in a place that he felt very relaxed. Um, when I came in to record my vocals, I had a lot more time to record my vocals and I was able to sleep a lot more. I wasn't uh, sleep deprived or anything like that, where in certain albums I was. Um, and, you know, of course, I'm more relaxed because I know I know the music more and I'm I'm really in tune with the style of vocal now and all that kind of stuff. So I think, Mick, you know, um, having your own studio being relaxed coupled with doing it for you know having the experience of being with each other for a long time it created the perfect storm and then having that time off and having us we did have a spiritual journey all of us we we all really really had some time to find ourselves and stuff like that so we had a lot of fire that was we were fired up we we did a lot of touring man and we were burnt out you know and and we between dystopia and plagues there was <clears throat> it was a lot so um, that time off really gave us that fire and, and we had more time to think about the music and all that kind of stuff. So there was a perfect storm. So, um, it was, and I just, I'm so proud of this album. I'm very, very proud of this album. I think it came out absolutely amazing and I'm proud of all the albums, but there's just something super, there's just something a little extra magical going on. And, uh, and I, I think we're really hoping to keep that momentum going and, uh, and capture that. And I think we're in the perfect situation now because now we got Jake on board. He's a great writer. Um, so we're really excited to start writing with him as well. I know John's very excited to start writing with him as well, like seeing what he can bring to the table. Uh, Luke is a very ambitious. Um, he knows Ice Earth's music really well. So um, <clears throat> he brings really cool ideas to the table. Um, Brent's a killer drummer and, uh, he's been in the band a long time, so he's just in tune with it all. So I think it, I, I'm really excited for this, for the next album, see what, see what we can do. Now that's an interesting thing to ask because just briefly touching on the possibility of what comes next for you guys, being that it seems you will be off of your contract with Century Media and you guys yeah. will be on your own journey now. Are you guys considering opening this up to making it Kickstarter-based where you guys can go direct to the fans, get them what they want with cool custom merch and stuff? Is this going to be more a let's get down, let's get to business, let's not worry about anything else but write an album, and then we'll figure out what we have to do to make it per, you know, get out to the masses, as it were? Understandable. I can't really comment too much on that um, just because there's nothing really set in stone yet. Man. Fair enough. So I, I would just be speculating myself. So <clears throat> Totally understandable. Um, so I'm going to ask a couple last questions here. Uh, just down to curiosity, 
Which Iced Earth song would you say, and this can be either a song you wrote, or it could be a song in the back catalog, what of those songs would you consider your, like, Mount Everest? It was the most difficult for you to get under under your control. Wolf. Wolf, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. Excellent. Dude, it's a tough one. Wolf and... Uh... Yeah, Wolf. Wolf's been been always been very difficult. It's a mouthful, man, and it's it's crazy. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah, and just the style of vocal and just to hit it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's always been a tough one for me. Okay, jumping back into Incorruptible. Uh, what was the inspiration? If you if you care to share this, I don't want to step on any toes here, and this is because everything's always left up to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is the inspiration for the relic? And when may you add to that story if you intend on doing so? Uh, it's just a story that I've had in my head for a long time. Um, it's sort of like uh, I, I heard John describe it as like Exorcist meets Indiana Jones kind of story. Um, so it's sort of like that. Um, it's just a small story that I've had in my head that keeps expanding. Um, when will will uh, – I can't tell you. Could be this next album. Could be the album after. Just depends on how it goes. I don't know. <clears throat> Never want to force something like that. Because no, then it be- sure. then it becomes contrived. Yeah. Okay, most memorable city that you you guys played on this last U.S. tour. So from February twenty second to March 29th. Does it have to be a U.S. city or a Canadian city? Well, oh, um, you know what? For you, it can be any of those cities that you played on that last tour. I'm not being biased. But whenever we hit east coast of Canada, Montreal and Quebec City were killer. Yeah. They're like insane, insane crowds. Um, uh, I will I will say that um, – what was it? Um, uh, when, uh, when Matt came out in Delaware, that was insane. Yeah. So that was another big, big moment. So Delaware – they they showed some colors for sure. It was a big. It was a good show too. Awesome. That's I. I you know I kind of figured as much. Uh, those being some bigger markets uh, for Ice Earth. Uh, yeah. What's the favorite? What's your favorite band you've ever shared the stage with at any point in your career? Favorite band I ever shared the stage with, like on a tour, like a package tour. In any capacity, just even if it was a one-off show, you just so happened to be on the same card as. Uh, I'd I'd actually like that. Oh man, I've been like, uh, there's a lot. Um, that's a tough one. But really, to be honest, back in the day when we did the Nevermore Opeth tour, it was us into it. It was into eternity, Nevermore, and Opeth, and that was fucking awesome. Oh, that's kind of awesome then touring this last round with Sanctuary. Totally. Because dude. of Lenny being in both. Yeah. So that's cool. He remembered you, obviously. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is so crazy that here we are now in this whole different, a brand new world, as it were. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, Opeth were really cool. Like Michael's, well, I was, ended up making friends with him. So whenever I see him at a, at a, at a at a, like a festival or whatever, we'll always give each other a big hug and just ask each other how we're doing and all that kind of stuff. He's he's a class act again, another amazing humble human. So I like that this shows like a list of humble people you should try to be like. <laughs> totally, these are all the people you should try and be like. 
Uh, okay, so <laughs> so this one's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to answer because it's going to involve you trying to time travel because I want to know if Stu Block now at 40 years old could go back in time and talk to yourself when you started this journey and give yourself any one piece of advice along the way. And this advice could be doubly used as advice you would give to any up-and-coming musician, but mainly something you would tell yourself that would maybe ease the pains of your journey along the way. Hmm. Um, I think, uh, well, it would be, I think it would be two things. Don't ever, well, don't ever care what, what everyone thinks because you're never going to please everybody. And I had a long time. It took me a long time to, to, cause I wanted to please everyone. I wanted to make sure. And I, I even thought about making changes and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> that was, that was a big battle for me. Don't care what people think, just do what you do and keep doing it. Um, and love what you do. Just let, make sure that you still love what you do. If you wake up and you're doing it for all the wrong reasons, stop doing it. You know what I mean? Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. If your heart is not into something, yeah, exactly. Stop doing it because then you're not. You because if your heart's not a part of it, then you're, there's no physical way, no matter how driven you are, that you'll ever give a hundred percent. You got it, man. All right, so throwing a totally bizarre question left field here. This is probably probably the last one of the day. We'll let you get out of here without anything being too scathed up here. Most memorable sure. food experience, like while on tour, you've been all over the world, and eaten at all kinds of places, and had all yes. kinds of experiences. What place sticks out as like two in the morning, you get hit with a case of the munchies or something, and you're like, I need to go back to wherever and have this whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is actually going to be sort of a negative one. Um, it was it was actually a crazy one. And uh, so after the show, we were in China. And after the show, uh, the promoter took us to this restaurant. We walk in, we sit down. We wonder why we're smelling. We, we I smell like ammonia or whatever. Smell like urine. Anyway, we're sitting there and they they bring out the they bring out some soup or whatever. We start eating the soup, and uh, I hear this and we hear a cat being chased up in the roof. I'm not gonna let you know. I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but we're gonna put two and two together. And basically, we found out that they were chasing a cat up there, and I think they were doing bad things. And I ended up leaving and puking and not eating there and i went and just uh back to my hotel room and didn't eat for the night so that is a unsavory memorable food experience yeah. unfortunately now a good a good oh and we went to the a, an interesting one and it was another chinese one is uh well we went to i ate uh some stuff at the chinese uh there was a chinese night market and we ate like beetle and stuff like that that was kind of cool oh that's cool just an exotic experience of like yeah that was kind of cool. Um, uh, but, but my favorite, my favorite experience, food experiences pretty much always are in Greece. I love Greek food. I'm a freaking Greek food addict. I love it. So you just go nuts on like love, literally love homemade gyros and shit. Oh my God. And, yeah. The, the four course meals that they do or five course meal. Oh. You're like at course three. It's Please over. stop. I can't eat anymore. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, no, no, we have two more for you, please. Oh, they always do that. Oh, hell yeah. Well, hey, man, first of all, I just want to say again, thank you so much for doing this show today. It has been a blast to talk to you. Hey, man, it's been great. 
I love it. It's been a different kind of interview. I like it. It's just been jap, you know, yapping. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I don't really get into the sitting and having a lot of crazy thoughts lined up. I just let it flow, man. Your story is your story, and I think you've done a good job of telling people how you got where you are so far. So uh, I want to share with you one last little thing, and I, and and, and this will kind of be our closing here. Sure. Um, what is really, really cool is that Iced Earth, the band, has fought for decades to survive. Uh, through various lineup changes, record labels, an ever-changing music industry, as you know, um, Iced Earth has remained whole, while other bands haven't been as fortunate. Um, you know, John has always been the general of that band, steering the ship. However, it's always the voice that many people will identify with. And as the vocalist of Iced Earth, Stu, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you are the personification of the voice of survival. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, I I, I appreciate that because, you know, it is, you know, it's taken me a lot to get here and I think it didn't come easy. And so uh, I, I think uh, Iced Earth is embarking upon its 30th, 30th anniversary. So John is showing a lot of survival. <laughs> He's been through it all. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, it's it's going to be a really cool few years. However long it's going to go. It'll be cool. So, and I appreciate your kind words. Uh, no worries, man. It's uh, it's easy to say kind words to someone as genuine and as humble as yourself. You've Thanks. done nothing but show me kindness, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, real quick before we get out of here, folks, as always, you can check out the Voice of Survival podcast on uh, the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com on all the different social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search Voice of Survival or Voice of Survival podcast. As always, you can get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network. You will get the voice of survival every other Friday. Just interviewing awesome people and learning about their lives. Stu, thanks so much, man. Hey, thank you, man, for having me, man, for right. sure. And uh, you got a cool show going on here, and uh, all the best of luck to you and, and your future, for sure. We'll see you again maybe when we're coming around. Oh, you will definitely see us again soon, my friend. All right, and you take care. You too. All right. Bye -bye. Happy birthday again. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks so much, Stu. You take care and have a great day, bud. Okay, man. You too. All right, later. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my interview with Stu Block from Eister. I thank you guys so much for listening. As always, just keep your heads up, keep fighting, and you'll find your will to survive. Later. Later.